Well, it is Friday. We are here. And when we say Good Friday, people often say that makes no sense. What is so good about this Friday if this Friday is all about Jesus dying a brutal, bloody death on the cross? Why do we call that Good Friday? What is so good about that? But the truth of the matter is Good Friday makes all the difference. We're here today to celebrate Good Friday because Good Friday changes everything. Was it brutal? Absolutely. I don't think we can ever even begin to fathom the brutality that Jesus had to endure on the very first Good Friday. But was it necessary? Well, for us, absolutely. Absolutely. Good Friday changes everything because without this Friday, we are forever doomed. We are forever damned by our sin, but Jesus made a way. And therefore, this Friday is good. It is so, so good. So thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Luzon. I am one of the associate pastors here at New Life Church. And it's my great privilege and honor to share some word as we commemorate this special day. A shout out to our online family, those who are tuning in. It is wonderful to share with you this great special day, even over great distance. You see, we desperately need Good Friday because as humans, we all share in a common issue all the way back from the day of Adam, and that is our issue with sin. We all share in that common issue. We're in fact born with a sinful nature. And I saw that again afresh in my youngest child, my little boy Reuben. He's two years old now. And for those who've ever seen Reuben, met Reuben, know Reuben, can testify, and it's not just because I'm his mother, but that boy has the face of an angel. He is so beautiful. And just recently, he developed a little beauty spot on his cheek. I mean, just when I thought he couldn't become any more beautiful. And so last month, we went to the coast to celebrate my husband's 40th. And we're there on the beach, and there's a little toddler walking past us with a bright yellow sand shovel. And so my angel face, Reuben, without blinking, walked straight up to that little boy and snatched his yellow sand shovel right out of his hands. Without a second thought, without any remorse whatsoever, he walked right up to that toddler and stole his sand shovel right out of his hands. And that just reminded me again afresh, you can have the face of an angel. <laughs> But we're all born with a sinful nature, which we inherited from our common ancestor, Adam. There is but one man that has walked this earth sin-free, and that is Jesus. Now, here's the issue when it comes to sin. We have a God who is perfect and holy. And because of that, sin cannot enter into his presence. God cannot commune with sin. 
And so our sin has caused separation between us and God, separation between creator and his creation. And therefore, we celebrate Good Friday because Jesus came and he bridged the gap. He took the blame, he paid the price, and he did what none of us could do. You know, Jesus dying on the cross for the sins of mankind is actually a fact well known across the world. Did you know that? A bunch of our pastors went to a seminar last weekend where they actually gave us the data. They gave us the stats. And the truth of the matter is, majority of the population of earth has heard about Jesus and the fact that he died on the cross. In fact, they gave us an incredible, terrifying, but incredible information. They gave us the projection of how long it's still going to take for every tribe, tongue, and nation to hear about Jesus. Do you want to know how long that is? Five years. They are projecting in five years' time, every tribe, tongue, and nation will have heard about Jesus. They are deploying teams as we speak to go and infiltrate, I think that's the best word, those tribes to share with them the good news. Five years. And so I'm pretty confident now in saying that most of us here and watching online has heard about Jesus and that he has come to down the cross for the sins of humanity. But there's a difference between just knowing this information intellectually and having it, a tr- having it being a truth that bursts forth in your life. There's a difference. It's one thing to know that Jesus came to die on the sins for all of mankind, but there's quite a different thing to live a life reflecting the power of the cross. It's another thing to live a life reflecting the freedom that we have received due to this ultimate sacrifice. You see, the battle has been won. The price has been paid. It is finished. But just like in the garden, the devil still wants to spew lies our way to keep us locked away, bound by shame, guilt, and condemnation, chains to keep us from receiving all of which Christ came to die for. And so in celebration of our Easter weekend, we have started a new series called Easter Eggs. And through the next couple of weeks, we are going to highlight some Easter eggs found in the Old Testament. And no, there weren't any chocolate-covered eggs on the ark, as far as I know. But Easter eggs meaning hidden clues. Hidden messages written thousands of years before the birth of Jesus that points to the coming Messiah. And so today, we're going to spend some time in the popular book of Leviticus. Yes. Let me show you just how popular this book is. By a show of hands, who would say that Leviticus is their all-time number one favorite book in the Bible? Anyone? Yeah, I didn't think so. You see, the book of Leviticus is a book filled with laws and legislation for the ancient Levite priests. 
And so Leviticus is more often than not a book we kind of skim through or skip altogether. But not tonight. No, today on Good Friday, we're going to jump into the book of Leviticus, especially chapter 16. And can I tell you, there are some incredible Easter eggs hidden there. For instance, chapter 16 falls right in the center of the book of Leviticus. And the book of Leviticus falls right in the middle of the Pentateuch, which is a very fancy word for the first five books in the Bible that Moses wrote. So Leviticus chapter 16 sits right in the center of that. And guess what Leviticus chapter 16 is all about? It's about the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement is giving legislation to the Levite priests on what to do on the Day of Atonement. Now, the Day of Atonement was the most holy, the most sacred day for an Old Testament believer. And so, in my opinion, the very placement of this scripture piece is an Easter egg in itself. You see, the Day of Atonement is also known as Yom Kippur. Can you try to say that? I struggle. I had to actually go to YouTube and just listen to the pronunciation because I don't know if I'm saying this right. Yom Kippur. And so this was the day that the Old Testament believers would experience forgiveness for their sins. You see why this was a big deal for them, an important day? But the thing is, this day will only come around once a year, on the 10th day of the seventh month of the Hebrew calendar. And so on that day, the high priest will perform rituals to atone for the sins of the people. So I want us to go on a little Easter egg hunt. If you have your Bibles with you, your Bible apps, I want you to please open up with me in the book of Leviticus, chapter 16. For those who didn't bring their Bibles or don't have Bible apps, not to worry, we'll have the scripture on the screen. I want to warn you, it's a lot, so stick with me. And I want to challenge you, as we go through these verses, go and see just how many Easter eggs you can spot. How many clues, hidden messages pointing to Jesus that you can identify. Are you ready? Leviticus chapter 16 from verse 1 to 16, it says, The Lord spoke to Moses after the death of Aaron's two sons, who died after they entered the Lord's presence and burned the wrong kind of fire before him. The Lord said to Moses, Warn your brother Aaron not to enter the most holy place behind the inner curtain whenever he chooses. If he does, he will die. For the ark's cover, the place of atonement is there. And I myself am present in the cloud above the atonement cover. And when Aaron enters the sanctuary area, he must follow these instructions fully. He must bring a young bull for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. He must put on his linen tunic and the linen undergarments worn next to his body. He must tie the linen sash around his waist and put the linen turban on his head. These are sacred garments, so he must bathe himself in water before he puts them on. 
Aaron must take from the community of Israel two male goats for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. Aaron will present his own bull as a sin offering to purify himself and his family, making them right with God. And then he must take the two male goats and present them to the Lord at the entrance of the tabernacle. He is to cast sacred lots to determine which goat will be reserved as an offering to the Lord and which will carry the sins of the people to the wilderness of Azazel. Aaron will then present as a sin offering the goat chosen by Lot for the Lord and the other goat, the scapegoat chosen by Lot to be sent away, will be kept alive, standing before the Lord. When it is sent away to Azazel in the wilderness, the people will be purified and made right with God. Okay. A lot of scripture, right? Were you able to spot some Easter eggs? There are a few hidden in there, but because our time is limited, I really want to zone in on two Easter eggs in particular, and it's the reference to the two goats. Was anyone able to spot those Easter eggs? You can see they're quite central to the Yom Kippur ceremony. So what happened is two goats will be brought to the high priest during the Day of Atonement. These two goats must be similar in age, value, and color. And so the high priest will, will draw lots, luikis for those in Afrikaans, and place it on the head of each goat. One lot will identify, designate the one goat for the Lord, and the other lot will designate this goat to be the scapegoat. And so then the high priest will take a scarlet red cloth and tie it around the neck of the goat designated for the Lord. And then the high priest will take another scarlet red cloth and tie it around one of the horns designated for the goat to be the scapegoat. And so then the first goat designated for the Lord will be taken to be slain as a sin offering sacrifice. Meanwhile, the scapegoat is turned around to face the people. And so after the first goat is slain, the high priest returns and he places both of his hands on the head of this goat. As we read in Leviticus 16 verse 21, it says, he will lay both of his hands on the goat's head and confess. Can you say confess? Over it all the wickedness, rebellion and sins of the people of Israel. In this way, he will transfer. Can you say transfer? The people sins to the head of the goat. And then a man specially chosen for the task will drive the goat into the wilderness. Okay, now stay with me as we unwrap these Easter eggs. The first goat, the goat designated for the Lord, after that goat was slain, its blood was taken into the Holy of Holies, the most sacred place in the temple, and sprinkled on the Ark of the Covenant. This was done to ritually settle the wrath of God. Now that is called the propitiation of sin. Can you say that? A couple of weeks ago, we made a joke that my English is T and Scon's English. 
and his English is Bryflace English. <laughs> and so tonight I brought a lot of tea and scones for you to share. We're going to say some big words together tonight. Okay, so what is the propitiation of sin? It is the fact that our God is just and holy. And because we know our God is holy, he cannot commune with sin. We cannot come close to, to God because of that. And because of our God being just and fair, sin needs to be punished. Sin needs the full wrath of God. And so the act of propitiation is to settle, to appease, to satisfy the wrath of God. That's what propitiation is. But this goat could only settle the wrath of God for a year until the next day of atonement arrived. Now the second goat removed the sins from the people into the wilderness where it was forgotten, where it was no longer part of their identity, where it no longer clung to them. That is called the expiation of sin. Can you say that? Expiation of sin. This refers to the act of removing sin and the pollution of sin, which is guilt and shame and condemnation that accompany sin away from them. And so when it comes to our sin, we need to be saved from the just wrath of God and we need to have our sin and the shame and guilt that accompanies our sin to be removed from us. And so on the day of atonement, they needed two goats. They needed two goats, one to save the Israelites from the wrath of God and a second goat, the scapegoat, to remove the sin, the guilt and shame away from them. So can you see the Easter eggs here? The clear references to Jesus. Often when we look at the work of Jesus on the cross, we only celebrate and honor Jesus for the first purpose, the propitiation of our sin. We only thank and celebrate Jesus for, for saving us from the wrath of God, which is eternal death in hell. And we forget about the expiation altogether. We forget about the second goat. Jesus is also our scapegoat. Can you see it? The most holy day for the Israelites, the day of atonement, was a prophetic representation of Good Friday, of what Jesus was going to come and do for the sins of mankind. Now we find more of the similar type of Easter eggs found in different parts of the Old Testament, like Isaiah 53 verse 6. It says, all of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path and followed our own. Anyone can relate with that? I know I can. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. Just like the high priest on the day of atonement laid upon this goat the sins of Israel, in the same way God the Father has laid upon his son the sins of mankind. And as a scapegoat took the sins of the Israelites far from them, in the same manner has Jesus removed our transgressions far from us. Like we can see Psalms 103 verse 12, one of my favorite verses. 
He has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. And as we look at the scapegoat in Leviticus 16, at some point where it was identified which goat is which, the scapegoat was turned around to face the people. Did you know, during the trial of Jesus, at one point Pontius Pilate actually took Jesus to face the people and said, behold the man? Jesus stood before them as a designated scapegoat just as he too was about to be led forth, bearing the iniquity of people. Man, isn't that incredible? The depiction of Jesus, of Good Friday, written thousands of years before his birth. The rich connotation of Old Testament and New, there truly is no greater poet than God. The work on the cross Jesus dying for our sins allowed us to be saved from the wrath of God. Those who accept Jesus for who he is, our Lord and Savior, our Messiah, those who confess, repent to him, we are saved from eternal death. But not only that, not only that, Jesus dying on the cross for our sin also removes our sin and the pollution of our sin away from us. Jesus has also come to set us free from the guilt and shame and condemnation that accompanies sin, propitiation and expiation. Jesus not only died for our sin, he also removed our sin away from us. And this is a really important Easter egg I don't want us to miss. Because it is the shame. Listen to me, it is the guilt. It is the condemnation that makes us repeat what happened in the Garden of Eden all over again. It makes us hide from God. Because it's the guilt. It is the shame and it's the condemnation attached to sin that keeps us trapped that keeps us chained, that keeps us from receiving our salvation because we believe we don't deserve it. We're so ashamed by our past that we'd rather hide from God than go to him with all our ugly, messy sin. We feel so guilty of what we've done that we'd rather hide from God then accept his forgiveness because we believe we don't deserve it. Let me tell you today, you don't deserve the forgiveness of God. None of us do. Because of our sin, what we deserve is death. You don't deserve the forgiveness of God. You don't deserve salvation. But that's why we call it grace. And that's why we call it mercy, because Ephesians 2 verse 4 to 5 says, God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sin, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. And that 
That last sentence in brackets, that's not my personal notes, that's in the Bible. It's only by grace that you have been saved. You don't deserve forgiveness, but God is giving it to you anyway. Many of you know my story. I've been here long enough. I've shared it enough times, but I know guilt. Oh, I promise you, I know shame. I know condemnation. I lived there for a long time. I was on the fast track to hell because of my past. And it caused me to hide from God. Because I believed that God would never want anything to do with someone like me. I believed that fully. But thankfully, by God's grace, I found my way to a church called New Life Church. And they shared with me the work of the cross. Even though I knew the information intellectually, it was like I was hearing it for the first time. It was when I came to understand that Jesus did not just die for the small sin, but also the big sin, the messy stuff, the things I can't even come to forgive myself for. It was when I came to understand that I cannot earn my salvation, that in fact it is a gift, it is a precious loving gift that offers me a way back to my Father. It's when I was finally connecting the dots that these walls of shame and guilt came crashing down. And I came out of hiding and I, and I came to God with all my mess. Sometimes we think we must first become perfect before we can get saved. That's not true. You can come to God with everything, all of your past, all of your mess. You don't have to wait until you have it all together. You can bring that to God. He's not intimidated by that. And so it was when I came to God with this mess, when I repented of my past, when I let it go and instead picked up the gifts of salvation, that was when God restored me. That was when he restored everything the enemy tried to destroy. And he changed and transformed me I mean, just standing here on Good Friday sharing word with you, I am still amazed to see the ways in which he changed my life. And so if he could do it for a sinner like me, I promise you, I promise you, he can do it for you too. Now I want to address the believers in the house real quick. Because even in my journey as a Christian, Sin is still in the picture. Sometimes we think the moment we get saved, we transform into angels and never sin again, ever. Unfortunately, that's not the reality as we still live in a fallen world. We still encounter sin. But now I know the restorative power of the cross. So if I fall, I know that I am not defeated. I won't ever give shame and guilt that kind of power ever again. I won't allow it to destroy my relationship with God. Now I know that when I fall, I can bring that to God. I can repent. I can confess. I can let it go. Turn away from it and run right back to my father, guilt and shame free. 
1 John 1 verse 8 to 9 says, if we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. If you're here today and you've already given your life to Jesus, but if you were to be completely honest with yourself, you're hiding from God right now because you're struggling with, with shame and guilt. Yes, believers can also experience shame and guilt. If you feel like you've backtracked in your relationship with God, if you feel like God isn't as close anymore and I've fallen into old habits and I want to tell you today, it's time to let it go. Stop dragging your sin and shame around with you. It is only hurting your relationship with God. Let it go. Repent. Turn back to God. Because Romans 8, verse 1 to 4 says this. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us. We no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. Wow, yes. What an incredible truth. You know, the Day of Atonement was a wonderful day for Old Testament believers. Number one, they, they knew that forgiveness from God was possible. And on that day, they experienced great joy and relief of sins forgiven, sins removed. But they also knew this time, next year, we have to come and do it all over again. Their sins were never completely dealt with. The law of Moses could never fully satisfy. But we don't live in Old Testament times anymore. We're part of the new covenant. New covenant meaning after the crucifixion of Jesus, we entered into a new agreement with God. But so often we, we live lives still chained up with condemnation, guilt, and shame. Even though we're in the new covenant, we still hide from God. I wonder what an Old Testament believer would have said if we went to him and said, look, your sin, it's finished, okay? Past, present, and future, your debt is paid in full. I wonder what their reaction would have been. The elation. Yet this is available to us right now 
and our lives are still reflecting like we are slaves to sin. It's like you've received the most precious, most expensive gift ever for Christmas, and you just keep it wrapped up there under the tree collecting dust. Forgiveness is yours. Salvation is yours. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. You know, the biggest philosophical question is, what is the meaning of life? And maybe through the years you've asked yourself that same question, why am I here? Why am I here? What's the purpose of my life? Well, let me answer that question for you today. The reason you have been given the gift of life is to be in loving union with your creator. That is why you're here. That is the biggest purpose of your life. Before anything else, you have been created with a purpose on purpose, and that is to be in a loving relationship with your father. So I want to plead with you today on Good Friday, don't miss it. Don't miss the biggest reason you're here, that you are alive, that you have air in your lungs. Because I don't know about you, but I quite agree with Ryan that we are in fact finding ourselves in the end times. Just hearing that projection of in five years time, every tribe, tongue and nation will hear about Jesus, that kind of puts things in context. So don't wait until it's too late. Let go of that shame that's keeping you bondage. Because God doesn't hate you. God is not disgusted by you. Those are lies. Those are lies designed to keep you in bondage. Jesus didn't come to the earth to be beaten and flogged and whipped and mocked, and cursed at, and spat on, and a crown of thorns pressed into his head, and nails going through his hands and feet with a spear opening his side. He didn't go through all of that for you to live a life of condemnation. Jesus did not come for condemnation. He came for reconciliation. John 3 verse 16 to 17 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, and that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Maybe you have believed the lie that your sin is too much for God to forgive. That you have crossed the point of no return. Perhaps you're filled with so much shame and self-loathing that you can't even come to forgive yourself, let alone ask God to forgive you. Well, I can testify today, that is why we call this day Good Friday, because the work of Jesus on the cross is enough. 
who the Son sets free is free indeed. So embrace your freedom. When we make Jesus our Lord and Savior and repent from our past and accept the new life that's been made available to us through the body and blood of Christ, it is done. It is over. It is finished. Stop living a life of shame. Stop living a life of condemnation. You don't have to live there anymore. You're no longer a slave to sin. It no longer has power over you. So stop living a life like you believe it does. There hasn't been and there will never be a greater sacrifice. Jesus came to pay the price and to take the blame. He is the sacrificial lamb and the scapegoat. We no longer have to hide from God. We can now run to God and have that kind of relationship with God that he intended for us to have all the way back in the garden. You don't have to wait for the next day of atonement to come by to experience sins removed because your scapegoat came and took it all and then he defeated it all. And that is why, yes. He took it all and he defeated it all. And that is why this Friday is good. Let's pray. Let's close our eyes and pray. Lord, we just thank you for this great privilege to be here today on Good Friday. God, we we just thank you for your word. These encouraging words that we can cling on to that gives us a hope and a future, Jesus. We just glorify you. Thank you for coming to do what none of us could. Thank you for giving us a way back to the Father. Thank you for restoring that which the devil wanted to destroy. We praise you. We honor you. And as we sit here with our eyes closed, I I will do you a disservice if I don't give you the opportunity. Those who have not opened and received the gift of salvation yet, don't wait until it's too late. Today on Good Friday, I want to give you that opportunity. It's time to let go. It's time to let go of that guilt and shame that's putting you in hiding. God is calling you back to Him. I believe you're not here by mistake. God is calling you back. And so with every eye closed, if you are ready to open this gift, Receive the gifts of salvation if you are ready to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. All you need to do with every eye closed is simply raise your hand and put it straight back down again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh my goodness. People coming home tonight. Thank you. If you're sitting here and you feel your heart beating out of your chest, that's a sign God is calling you. Thank you. It's time to come home. 
thank you. It's time to come home. And so we're going to, we're going to pray. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Just follow it after me. There's nothing magical about this prayer. It simply is a representation of Romans 10 verse 9 that says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. So please, if you can pray this after me and for those who are already part of the family of Jesus, I want you to, to just pray along with them as a sign of support. So let's pray. Jesus, for too long I've kept you out of my life. I know that I'm a sinner and that I cannot save myself. I am done hiding. By faith, I gratefully receive your gift of salvation. I am ready to trust you and receive you as my Lord and Savior. I believe you are the Son of God who died on the cross for my sins and rose from the dead on the third day. I repent of my sin. Thank you for bearing my sins and giving me the gift of eternal life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can we just celebrate? Wow. I strongly feel it's time for the bride to come home, turn back, let go of this world. It's so awesome. You just made the biggest decision of your life. Do you know that? And so here at New Life, we don't want to leave you empty-handed. As we leave today, there will be ashes at the doors with some, some brochures. It just gives you some information, some next steps to do once you come to that point of salvation. And on that brochure, there is also a tear-off um, tear on the side. I want to encourage you, please complete it, hand it in by the info desk. This just gives the pastors an opportunity to reach out and hear is there anything we can assist with, help with, pray for. So thank you so much for coming tonight. And for those joining us online, your online host will also be sharing that link uh, to you that gives you that same kind of information. So please complete it. And one of our pastors will also be in contact with you.